let's turn in our Bibles to Psalm 42. Um, Stephen, could you do get the grab the handouts off the back in case some are needed, please? Psalm 42. Uh, we've already gone through um, the first five verses. Can you get that on your? Is it handy to get that on your phone right now? Yeah. It's on. I've got it on my dark screen. If you need a handout, go ahead and uh, just put your hand up. We've got some over here. So we started looking at Psalm 42 last week, and, and these psalms are often taken as one unit, which is how we're going to take them. Um, the chorus to the song, if you will, is verse 5 of 42. Same thing repeated in verse 11, and then verse 5 of 43. So these are really, it's one unit. And this psalm is an extremely comforting psalm for when we are going through troubles. And uh, the psalmist has gone through the mill, and we're going to learn a lot from what he's gone through. So I will catch you up on your notes to do a quick review of these first five verses, then we'll jump in to our new text. So first thing we looked at, point one was a passion for God. And this is where the Christ-honoring life begins. If you... If, if a person can say, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ, and they don't have a passion for God, let me just tell you, something's missing. There is, your, your spiritual life is not what God desires it to be. This passion for God has got to be there, and it is something that if you're a follower of Jesus, you will be desiring this. There's going to be, just like the psalmist here, there's going to be ebbs and flows. There's going to be times where we struggle, but this will be a passion for you. And if it's not, uh, I would suggest you start back at the beginning. Am I truly saved? Have I entered a relationship? Because in our culture, that is an issue. People today base their salvation on so many things outside of being a follower of Jesus. And that is it's a sad state. For our, for our the church today. So first thing we saw under this passion, the psalmist was desperate for communion. He was desperate for communion. Uh, verses 1 and 2, as the heart, as the deer pants after the water brook, so pants my soul after Thee, O God. My soul thirsteth for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? And the first thing we saw under that, and it's not on the, the handouts, but we, we broke down three different parts of this. First was his attitude. He, he, he was thirsting. He was longing. There was this intense longing to be near God. To be near people worshiping God. Then we saw the aim. And his aim, my soul thirsts for God. His aim was his Lord. That's what he wanted. That's who he wanted to be near. And then we saw the action that was involved. And he wanted to come. He wanted to worship at God's house, at the temple. That's where he wanted to be. This psalmist was extremely desirous to go where the children of Israel would be meeting together to worship the Lord. And I'm gonna, we're gonna end this section with this. We should have this same desire to be joining together with the people of God to worship our Lord. When we can have the attitude of, oh, you know, no big deal. I can, I can worship where I want to worship. You can worship everywhere. You should worship everywhere. But there should be a passion in us to come together as a people of God and worship Him as a family, as a unit, as a group. If that longing isn't there, something's wrong on the inside. 
And the psalmist had this. Second thing we saw, he was depressed from opposition. Verse number three. My tears have been my meat day and night while they continually say unto me, Where is thy God? My tear, his tears. He, in other words, he had been constantly crying. He was sobbing. This guy was, we would say he was messed up. He was hurting. He was down. And it was so bad that that is what had been feeding him. And you think of it this way. He felt so bad that he lost his appetite. He couldn't eat. All he was, all he was having was the tears. And he was, this is encouraging. He was that distraught over not being able to worship his God. That's the way we need it. We need to have that passion where it affects us when we cannot come and worship God. Maybe you haven't been there before. I've been there. You know, if I miss a miss, who's going to miss? No big deal. No, it is a big deal. It's a big deal. It should be in our own lives. We should be having this passion to come and worship God with others. Okay, let me see. There was a desire for past joy. Verse number four. When I remember these things, okay, the, these things, the inability to worship, the attacks from the enemies, all these things that are happening to him, his sorrow. When I remember these things, I pour out my soul in me. I pour my soul out to God. For I had gone with the multitude and the tents there. He's going to be doing it again one day. He's confident in this. I had gone with the multitude. I went with them to the house of God with the voice of joy and praise with the multitude that kept holy day. So we looked at this concept of pouring our hearts out to God. That needs to be there. We need to have regular times in our lives when when we are just, you know, God, here's where, here's where I'm at. I need you. We need to be pouring ourselves out to Him. We need to have a heart that is passionate towards the Lord. And the psalmist has it. Then we looked at verse 5. And this is the chorus that we'll be seeing two more times. Here we saw that the light comes from God. Verse 5. Why art thou cast down, O my soul? And why art thou disquieted within me? Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise Him for the help of his countenance. So here he's making it really clear. You know, what is your problem? Why are you so distraught? Why are you like turmoil? Why is everything such a big deal? Why are you so messed up and depressed us about like waves? Why are you this way? You're supposed to be hoping in God. That's where our confident expectation is supposed to be. And here's what's happening. This is the phrase you're going to hear again. The psalmist is letting his faith, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. Okay, we got that a lot of times, all right? We understand. This is what I, this is what the Bible says. Here's what my faith says. He's letting that faith reason with his fear. Okay, here's what we do today so often. Oh, but God just doesn't get, oh, I can't do this. I can't handle it. God is just nothing. And we get all frantic. No, let our faith reason with our fear. Our God is good. We have a God that loves us, who cares about our every need. Are we still going to be distraught? Are we still going to have troubles? Well, the psalmist did, but he let his faith reason with those fears. We can't shut out what we know about the, the truths of God. We need to take those truths, and people, sometimes we just got to force those into our current everyday lives. It doesn't always flow smooth and everything's not going to be this, this nice little rosy path and we're just all happy. It's not going to happen. 
There's times where you're going to be distraught like this psalmist. You're going to be troubled. You're going to be down in the dumps, depressed. Okay, let's let our faith reason with that fear. Let's call on our God. Let's get close to our God just like this psalmist is doing. And what this psalmist is doing, he, he's acknowledging, he's acknowledging that, you know, look, when motives can be selfish, I can have issues, but look, my motives have got to have a deep down desire to glorify and to praise my God. When that's my passion, I'm going to grow. And I'm going to grow in the midst of these hard times that I'm going through. So instead of dwelling on these things, Instead of dwelling on the parts that are so rough, the psalmist is saying, I better be hoping in God. I better have that confident expectation that I can trust my God. So that's where we ended last time. Today we're going to start with verse 6, and uh, point 2 is the preservation of God. The preservation of God. Let's have a word of prayer, and we'll look at these new verses. Father, thank You for Your goodness. Lord, I thank You that You love us. I thank You that You are a, a good and a gracious God. Lord, would You please minister to us tonight. Lord, in this brief time we have together, please help Your Word to be applied and to be or made meaningful in each of our lives. Do the work that needs to be done. God, I, I ask that You would keep me free from error. Help me not to get in the way or be a distraction to your truth going out. And God, most of all, I ask again, you would allow yourself to be glorified in our efforts here tonight. In Jesus' name, Amen. Alright, Psalm 42, we're starting the second verse, if you will, of this song. So we have the preservation of God. Now, would you agree with me that in verse 5, something big happened, okay? The first four verses, we got a problem. The guy is depressed. The guy's having trouble. His tears constantly. He's got a, he's got issues. And then he comes. Why are you cast down? Hope in God. And, and he, we see a victory moment. It's like oh, he's heading back uphill. Things are going good. You ever been there where you had troubles? Things are going good, and then you just go right back down in your troubles. Listen. It's not good, but it's normal. It's what we do so often. We're like roller coasters a lot of times. We keep getting our focus off of the hope in God and we get it back on my tears fed me day and night. And we see all the tumult that we go through. We can get victory in certain areas. It doesn't matter what your area is. We can get victory in these areas and we can get our thoughts heading in this right direction but we don't always stay that way. We start to change. And then we end up having, if you're like me, we end up having a lot of the same troubles over and over and over. What does Hebrews call it? The sin, what? It does so easily beset us. We've got issues. We've got certain things that just that just keep coming back and giving us issues, and this psalmist is going through this. He gets to that, I'm going to hope in God, and now we start having, he goes back into his troubles. And then he's going to get back into his hope in God, and he's going to go right back into his troubles. He's struggling. 
and, and, and that's the point that we see this psalmist at. And he's going to go from putting his trust in the Lord to fretting over circumstances. So that's, that's what's going to be happening in these verses. Point A, the circumstances are overwhelming. The circumstances are overwhelming. Verse number 6, Oh my God, my soul is cast down within me. That does not sound very encouraged, does it? My soul is cast down within me. Therefore will I remember thee from the land of Jordan and the Hermonites and the hill of Mizar. Deep calls unto deep at the noise of thy water spouts. All thy waves and thy billows are gone over me. So I want us to number, notice a number of things. We're going to take these uh, phrase by phrase. Notice he starts with, Oh my God. My God. Sometimes, when we get into these positions where things are going hard, when we're having difficulties in our lives, we may feel despised, we may feel rejected, we may feel like we've been, we've been set aside. The things are just, you know, we're not useful anymore. We can get really down. It is really hard at times to remember this covenant relationship that we have with our Creator. Think about that, that phrase in there. We have a covenant relationship with the Creator of the universe. With the God of the universe. We have that. If, 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 we are, if you are a Christian today, if you've entered that relationship, you have that relationship. And when you and I, when we remember our sinfulness, and we start remembering the the, the, the truth of our unfaithfulness that we have so often. Because we do. We have a major sin problem. We all struggle with this. If somebody says they don't have sin, what, is, what does First John say they are? They're a liar. Okay, we've got issues. And when we remember these things so often that happen, it's hard at times. It's hard to think on, yeah, I have a covenant relationship with the God of the universe. I belong to Him. Because we get so tied up. This is where the psalmist is. We get so tied up with our own sin. This psalmist, he understood the truth. And we need to, we need to learn from this, okay? He understood the truth of God's faithfulness. He understood the truth of the relationship that God had placed him in. We need to think on this for a while. We need to understand that if I have come to a point where I have become a follower of Jesus, and you know what I'm not talking about when I say that. I'm not saying we've come to a point where I prayed a prayer or I had a religious experience or I became a part of a church. When we get to a point where we have become a follower of Jesus Christ, it's because of what He's done, not because of what we've done. And we owe Him for that. We need to remember what He's done in our lives. We need to go back and constantly, often, rehearse the Gospel in our own minds and remember what He did for us. The psalmist understood this truth. He understood the faithfulness of God. You and I are always Think about that. And that always is, is 
Always is always a bad word to use, right? Listen, but here, we are always, we're always welcome to come running to our God. Our God stands there with open arms, welcoming us to come back to Him, to repent to Him. That's like we would call it our, uh, what's the phrase today, our, uh, our safe place, safe space. How do they, however that word is. You can have a safe space. You've got it with Jesus Christ. We can run to Him. And we should be fleeing to Him regularly. This psalmist, just that first phrase, Oh my God. He understood that He had that relationship. But notice how He goes after that. My soul is cast down within me. What does it mean to be cast down? What's a, what's a synonym we could use for that? I'm depressed. What else? If you're cast down, how else does that describe you? Okay, backslidden, low, okay? You ever felt like you're ready to quit? Just throw in the towel? I don't like feeling that way. I feel that way too often. I just throw the towel in. I want to quit. Okay. <laughs> but you just feel depressed struggling, ready to quit. Those are, those are good synonyms. That's what he's saying here. My soul is cast down. Okay, what's the best thing that we can do? Obviously, run back to God, but when we're praying to God, what do we need to tell Him when we're depressed and struggled and cast down and ready to quit? What do we need to tell Him? Yeah, let's tell Him how we feel. Do you think He doesn't know already? God, I'm bummed. I am depressed. I'm sick of this. This is hard. I'm struggling with it. Tell him the truth. We need to be transparent with our God. That is exactly what he's doing. God, my soul's cast down. God, I'm depressed. I'm struggling. That's what the psalmist is doing here. Have you ever been guilty of wanting to pray in all religious terms? I'm not saying be flippant with our prayer. There are times, and I've heard people want to, uh, and it gets to a point where it's, it's uh, irreverent when we start talking about how we communicate with our God. But Jesus is not my homie. Jesus is not the bud. Jesus is, listen, he's my Lord. He's the one I have to answer to. He's the one I'm going to bow my knee to. He is the one who is the God, the creator of the universe. But that same one invites me to come and speak freely to him about how I'm feeling, about what I'm going through. There's a balance. So I'm not saying to be callous with our relationship. I'm just saying we need to be real with our relationship. When we start using words that we think might sound right to other people, our prayers are very disingenuous. They're very... We might even go as far as to say hypocritical. We're not being real with God. And He desires us to just come with Him. I, I, I talked with somebody, a little bit of a different situation, but I remember talking with a person fairly recent, and, and, and here's the words they used. I've been, I, I had some transgressions in my past. Well, what does that mean? Okay, here, here's what he's really saying. I blew it. I sinned before God. I sinned before men. I just plain blew it. And but it sounded better to say, well, I've had some transgressions. 
No, I sinned against the holy God. I did plain sin. I went after my own selfish ways. I failed. The transgression sounds nice. You know what? I don't worry about what sounds nice. And in that case, you just got to understand that that's, that's the direction that whole conversation was going. We're a lot better in that case. Just call sin what it is. Call it what it is. And admit to what we've done. But in, in this case, when we've got pain, when we've got disappointment, I'm not saying those things are sin. When we've got pain and disappointment, let's call it what it is. God, I'm hurt. This is strug- I'm struggling with this. It is what it is. And that's where the psalmist was. The psalmist did a great job with this. Oh my God, my soul is cast down within me. Therefore, because my soul is cast down, because I'm having these troubles, therefore will I remember thee from the land of Jordan and the Hermonites and from the hill Mizar. Okay. We can get the I will remember thee part. Let's just, we're going to come back to that. Land of Jordan, Hermonites, Mizar. Does that mean anything to anybody? It didn't to me. Now I wanted to look it up and find out what he is talking about. So here's what he's talking about. Jordan, way up top of Israel. Mount Hermon, way up top. Mount Mizar. The hill Mizar is one of the little ones around Mount Hermon. Okay, so here's what he's saying. I'm going to remember, when I'm all down and depressed, I will remember thee, even though I'm way, way far away from where I want to be. I'm going to remember my God. It doesn't matter where I'm at, it doesn't matter how far away I get, I am going to remember my God. And this is an awesome thing. The psalmist, here's what he's doing. This is what we need to learn from this. He's saying, I will remember. It's not just that, well, you know, uh, whatever it be will be, whatever that thing is. You know, he's not saying that. He's saying, I'm going to consciously choose to think on my God. I'm going to tell you something. If we don't consciously choose to think on our God, you're going to think on something else. It won't happen. Your flesh is strong. Your flesh battles against the Spirit. You must consciously choose to follow after the things of God and think on Him. That's, that, that's, that's what genuine Christianity does. That's what we desire to do. He's saying, this is His conscious effort. He says, in the middle of my trials, no matter how far away I am, in the middle of the trial, I'm going to make that effort to think on God. What I see in our culture is more of a lack of thinking on God and an overemphasis on thinking on self. And it is pushed. How many times have we heard words like this? Oh, you've got to have that good self-esteem. You know what? You don't need better self-esteem. You think too highly of yourself as it is. You're very prideful. You're very selfish. And I know you are because I am. We're just prideful, selfish people. That's our sinful nature. You don't need better self-esteem. You need to think more accurately of yourself and see yourself as a sinner as you are. So we tend to think, we're told, all through 12 years of school plus, you're told on the media, you're told everywhere, think good of yourself. Think more highly. Look out for number one. That's not what we need. The psalmist said, I'm going to remember my God. I'm going to think on my God. So, when we have, if we're thinking on, have this self-centered focus, what does that look like? When a problem comes, if we're all thinking about self, if everything's about us, what will an attitude be that will develop 
because we're thinking too much about number one. You see me, if you can think of a one word, give me one word, how would you respond if your focus is on you and not on Jesus? Selfish? What else? Arrogant. That's a mean word, isn't it? I like that one. <laughs> Ooh, yeah, I don't have that one down. That's good. We're going to be very pessimistic. One of the things I do when I'm thinking about number one, because I love me so much, and things aren't going my way, I get mad. I just get angry. Because people aren't treating me like I want to be treated. What else? You ever fret? Pout? That's not a good word for adults, is it? For adults, pout. You're the worst. <laughs> You're not, Gene. I'm sorry. We pout. We fret. Sometimes we'll get so concerned about number one, we'll start gossip. We'll start all kinds of sin issues. This is what we do when we think on us. Thinking and overemphasis on self takes us down a road we don't want to go down. See what we need to be focusing on Jesus Christ. In the last section, the presence of God, that last section, one through five, in that section, that presence of God was associated with the tabernacle. And what the psalmist is doing here is he's saying, even though I'm far away from God's presence. I'm not near the tabernacle. I'm up in the northern part of the country, as far as I can get away from it. Even though I'm far away, I'm going to choose to think on my God. For us, even though things are hard, even though things are tough in our lives, we've got, and we're going to see some of these tough things coming up, I choose to think on my God. If you can leave with fear with nothing else tonight, if you get that one point, it's going to help you this week. We need to choose to think on our God. Remember what He's done for us. Verse number 7. Verse number 7. Deep calleth unto deep at the noise of thy water spouts. All thy waves and thy billows are gone over me. You see in this verse that, that God is in control. Now, this, the deep, the waves, the billows. You hear the, see the picture he's drawing, he's, he's kind of pulling from here? Everything's water-related, and that is just the picture. These are things, these deeps, these waves, these are things that are drowning him. These are things that are just causing him to have this distress, to have this sorrow. When he uses this word water spouts, like we would say waterfalls. These are things that are that are that are very loud. There's rapids. There's it's just it's a rough spot. I don't know if any of you have been there. I, I really have. I'm thankful for places we've gotten to visit over the years. And one of those that we've that I've enjoyed the most has been Niagara Falls. And to get when you start getting anywhere close to that falls, I mean anywhere like probably quarter mile, half mile. I don't remember. You start hearing it. It is loud. It's almost when you get close. It's almost deafening. It's just a, a roar that's happening. And there's a point where, we, if you get into that water, 
at this certain point, you will not get out. That tie, the, the pole would just suck you right over the falls. It is an ugly, dangerous, not ugly, beautiful, but the danger part of it is ugly. It is a dangerous, dangerous falls. And I've had these, these, I, 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 I think weird things sometimes, but these thoughts come into my mind. I would hate to get trapped in this water and just know, whoa, this is coming, this is coming. And it, this is kind of the picture we've got here in verse, the deep, calls on the deep and this, these waves, these, the billows, they're scary. And I think I'm thinking like that. Okay, and then I start thinking, now what if I happen to be at the bottom of that falls? That stuff is a churning nightmare. You think, I remember, we're on story time now, I'm sorry. I, I remember, the first time I went, it was the springtime. And I went with a friend from work when I lived way up yonder. And, and the lake that feeds Niagara was thawing out. So you had ice chunks coming and going over that fall. Well, when I think ice chunks today, I think, you know, chunk of ice. This is like the size of a car. It's just going over this falls. And then it goes down, I don't know, a couple hundred feet, and it's wham! But it's just whoa, 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 constant. Okay? This is the picture we've got. This churning, this deep calling on the deep, the billows. Okay, here's, here's the picture we get. The psalmist is saying, I can't handle this. I've got waves covering me. I can't keep my head above water. I'm getting, I, I, I'm in a rough place and there is no way out. I think if I asked around this room tonight, a lot of us have been in a rough place where we can't see any way out. And that's the picture that this psalmist is painting for us. I think normally, not always, it's, it usually revolves around either people problems, those are hard to get out of. But people problems, it can revolve around health problems. It can revolve just, just physically being weak. We can get into issues where, you know, I just can't see any way out of this. Those are frustrating. And, and you notice the wording here. This psalmist is frustrated. But notice, I want you to notice one word that he uses three times. And this word is important. Deep calls unto deep. Okay, who is it? that owns these water spouts. Read the words. Who owns the water spouts? Whose is it? God owns it. He's the word. Thy water spouts. Who owns the waves? God. Thy water spouts. Thy waves. Who owns the billows? Okay, are we seeing a, seeing a pattern here? <laughs> God owns these things. And, and the psalmist is freely admitting, God, here's the word, here's the coldest. You've got this under control. Do we ever see things happen where, you know, God, how can you be in control? Think about this morning's message. How can you say God is in control when Jesus just got His head bashed in with a bamboo cane? How can we say God's in control when He's got His flesh hanging off of His back? When he's, All the torture He went through, how can we say God's in control? He is. Our God is totally in we have bad things that happen in a sin-cursed world. I'm not going to fight that. Things are hard. But listen, our God is totally in control. I had someone recently talk to me about 
issues they were going through. And they were saying that um, they're in some, uh, how do I word this? They're in a predicament of their own doing. Okay? I'll just put it that way. They've made some like, keen, stupid decisions. I know it's not the right word to use, but they've made some really bad decisions, and there are consequences. Well, they're seeing this section, oh, well, God is in this. God meant this to happen. No, God didn't mean this to happen. You, you went out of God's way. And you did things on your, in your way, and you're suffering consequences. Now, can God take those consequences and work with sin in a sinless way? Yes, He can. We've got a powerful God. But listen careful not to give God credit where God didn't do it. That's, that's the only point I'm making with that one. But here, here, here's the point. We live in a sin-cursed world. It affects every single one of us. And, and it's hard. It's really hard. Sometimes we want to be ultra-spiritual and act like, you know, no, I shouldn't have troubles. No, we're going to have troubles. Things are just downright tough. But what I want us to understand is this. There are truths about God that you and I need to think on. For our God, He is in total control of our circumstances. He can work in these, these tumults, in these waves, in these billows. Our God can work in these things. And we can take comfort in the fact that He is able to work. So my question for you, and I'll give you one of these, what are some things that we can comfort in that we know about our God? We're going to go through tough times. It's going to happen. If you're not in one now, wait five minutes. It is coming. We're going to go through the hard times. There are truths about God that you and I need to take comfort in. So I'll give you the first one. You be thinking of some more. I needed some people to look up a few verses for me. Uh, three of you, just get ready. Just, um, but here's the first one. Our God gives grace. Our God gives grace to endure these times. He does. 2 Corinthians 12.9. Anybody? Who can look it up? Okay. 2 Corinthians 12.9. Hebrews 4.16. Somebody else? Throw one up in the air. Okay. Pete. And 1 Corinthians 10.13. Okay. Pam. In a minute, we'll have Romans 8.28.29. Somebody want that one? Oh, that Pam. I'm sorry. Romans 8.28.29. You can quote it if you want. Somebody take it. You got it? Romans 8, 28, 29. And then James 1, 12. Who can look that one up for me? Oh, come on, get your hands in. Yes, Morgan, thank you. And Galatians 6, 9. Yes, David, I see your hand down. You got it. Isaiah 55, 8 and 9. I'll call on somebody else if you don't give it to me. Come on. Okay, I see your hand down there. No? I got you. Mary Sue, can you get it for me? No? Oh, now we got somebody else talking. Paul, Gene, you look one up yet? You got one already? Al, how about you? Isaiah 55? 
Isaiah 55, 8 and 9, and then somebody can do Proverbs 3, 5 and 6. Lloyd? Proverbs 3, 5 and 6. All right, now we're going back to the beginning. Our God gives grace to endure these times. 2 Corinthians 12, 9. Who had it? Okay, Dan. Hebrews 4, 16. 1 Corinthians 10, Here's what we're doing. All three of these verses all point to the same truth that God gives grace to help through these trials. So what we need to do when the trials come, we think on on the truths that we know and let our faith reason with our fear. That's what the psalmist is doing. Another one, he gives grace to help. He also, he desires for these trials to strengthen us. He wants us to be conformed to the image of His Son. And He uses hard times sometimes to to, to chisel off edges of us, to help us to be more like Jesus. Who had Romans 8, like the first part of that, and we've quoted it often, God works all things together for good. Okay, well what's that good? That's the second verse, conformed to the image of His Son. That's the goal. All things together for our good is not the health, wealth, prosperity mess. It is us being made like Jesus. That's the difference. So, He does this. He's working in us through these hard times. He also, another thing, He teaches us endurance. He teaches us endurance. James 1.12 He wants us doing that enduring. He, James is saying real clear, the man is blessed. You are fortunate if you endure these temptations. He wants us doing this. You can't endure a temptation unless you go through it. He wants this to happen. Uh, Galatians 6.9 So don't quit. Endure through these things. That's a positive thing. It's what God desires for us. We also have another one. He, he is worthy to be trusted even when we don't get it. You ever been in a place where you didn't get it? I don't know. That, all the time, it seems like, God, why are you doing this? I don't understand. We just don't understand what He's doing. We don't see the big picture. We see our little bitty microcosm of what's going on and we think we get it and we don't. Our God is totally worthy to be trusted. Isaiah 55, 8 and 9. Isaiah 
I've had to go back to that verse so many times. There are just things that I just, I don't understand them. I hear people wanting to have these theological debates and, and you know these, these high-end things of, you know, this is how God thinks. I don't know how God thinks. I don't understand half of what you know God does. He's God. We need to understand that. He's a lot, his ways are a whole lot bigger than our ways. Listen, he's approachable. He's trustworthy. We need to take him at his word and we need to get moving with him. His ways are above our ways. We don't have to understand everything. And Lloyd, Proverbs 3, 5 and 6. We need to lean on our God. Trust our God. And let's follow Him. You guys, if, if we could, it sounds like, okay, that's all. No big deal. No, that, that's life. That's the whole Christian life is learning to trust our God and follow Him. That's what we fight against in our flesh all the time. This is what we need to do. We need to be careful. Sometimes things are just plain our fault. We're suffering consequences of our sin. I get that. But here, we are talking about things that happen outside of us that we have no control over. People, we can trust our God. And despite the reasons, despite the problems... The psalmist, he is going, he's in a really tough situation. He's struggling. And I think we can, we can sympathize with him. We can empathize a lot of times to what he's going through to some degree. This psalmist was having it tough, but I just appreciate so much that he is understanding my God. So, there's the challenge for you tonight. We are going to pick up on point B next time. That will be verse number 8. And I encourage you to be back for these. Because here he's going to start talking about what God is... Notice that word. Let's just read that verse real quick. Yet the Lord will command. He's going to make this happen. His loving kindness in the daytime and in the night. His song shall be with me and my prayer shall be and my prayer under the God of my life. Now we're going to start seeing turning back. And this is an encouragement. But I trust that as you leave here tonight, we will be able to let our faith leave them with our fear. Let's remember who our God is. Let's close in a word of prayer. Father, thank you for your goodness. Thank you, Lord, again for loving us, for, for just for strengthening and helping us. Help us to be faithful to you. Help us to remember you. Help us to desire to remember you. God, I pray you administer to each one of us. Protect us as we go out this week. Help us to have a a life that is pointing people to your Son. Help us to be more excited about the things of you. God, use us in some way this week to further the cause of your kingdom. In Jesus' name.